Hello, welcome to this interview. Would you please introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Nancy Wayland. And I'm Sean Wayland, uh, uncle of Naya. <laughs> Would you mind telling me a little bit about like what you guys do? Because yeah, a living. We're both missionaries. We live in Costa Rica. And uh, my official title is Director of Operations for Latin America and Caribbean for an organization called CREW. And I work, the biggest thing that I do right now working with CREW is working with the MKs, missionary kids. So I lead a team. We have a team with six student leaders who are in college or just graduated from college who are adult children of missionaries. And then they are working with missionary kids who are like teenagers and then like teens. And so I work with them and then they have like online communities with with the MKs that live in or are from Latin America. Oh, and wow. Yeah, I bet you guys both have very big impacts on the community. So I'm just gonna ask you guys some questions because I know you guys both decided to foster a baby recently and I think that's super exciting. So I'm gonna ask you guys your first question, which is what inspired you to foster a baby? Well, I've always wanted, we, we both love kids and I've actually always wanted to either do adoption or foster care. And when I was in college, actually at Virginia Tech, um, I babysat for a family and there they had two boys and they were both adopted. Their second boy, their second son, actually, um, I got to be there when they adopted him, which was really awesome. But I think God just put like this desire in my heart for that. And, um, and in the past, kind of Sean didn't necessarily have that same desire. And then this past summer, and I think July or August, I was actually doing a Bible study with people at church. Well, it was online um, because of the pandemic, but um, we were doing a Bible study and it was basically talking about beyond this life, um, like living beyond like just the temporary things and like how can we have an impact like in a greater way. And through that, the first week, I was actually supposed to be given one of the talks and I was thinking about who are people I know in the community where we live um, who have who have an impact that's more than just living for themselves. Um, and I thought of one this one lady at our church named Ingrid, and she does foster care and, and basically was kind of like introducing this organization or this agency called Casa Viva, which means a house, um, to people at the church so that other people could do it. And so I actually was talking to her about that because of the Bible study we're in, and we started praying about it and thinking about it, and we talked about it as a family. Um, and at first, some of the pe some people were like, mm, not sure, and so we had kind of a couple months break, and then it kind of came back up in October, and at that point, um, everybody was like, yeah, let's do this because there's so many needs, and we even saw, like, we're seeing in the news about, sadly, about kids who were, um, having to go to the hospital because of abuse and other things that were happening in their homes, especially with the quarantine um, and people having to stay home all the time. It just was making a lot more um, stressful situations for some families when kids couldn't go to school and parents weren't going to work. Um, so we just prayed about it and felt like God was willing us to do that. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Um... That kind of goes along with my second question, which is like, what's the most rewarding aspect of this? And um, I guess you kind of touched on that a little bit by saying it kind of leaves an impact 
for future generations. But is there anything else that you would like add on to that? Yeah, I think uh, particularly, you know, with, with the baby that we have, been a joy to just connect with mm -hmm. and we, we experience a lot of both love and joy just caring for him. And I think that a, a, a part of what we're doing is helping him to develop so to have connections and relationships to grow and develop um, in a family. Um, you know, I think just the way that God designed it. And so it's very, it's a, it's a, a blessing for us to be able to pour into him, even at this young age, so that he can become healthy in making those connections, especially so that um, for the next family, you know, he'll have a chance. It'll be a little bit easier for him family. So I think that's, that's a huge uh, bonus, or maybe, yeah, just a very rewarding sense of fulfillment and being part of that process. Yeah, I really like that answer. Um, so the next question I have for you guys is let's see, how has fostering a baby impacted the relationships you have with people in your community? And I know this is kind of hard to answer because it's like COVID and everything, but has it impacted you in any way? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting how many people have told us that they admire what we're doing. And uh, it's kind of drawn people toward us. And, you know, a lot of times they give us uh, more credit than we do. I mean, we're just trying to care for a baby as well as take care of our own kids. And But uh, it's true, there are sacrifices that are involved with things. It's been recognizing that. Um, and I think that it's just had a very positive impact on our, on our friendships and relationships because people keep telling us, even today, another person again was like, I just so admire what you're doing. And so, um, yeah, it's, you, you can tell that, you know, people in the community are appreciative of what we're doing and, and our friends have been very encouraging to us. Yeah, I definitely share that same admiration and respect for you guys. I think that's really cool that you guys decide to do that. Um, is there anything that the community or like family members that they fail to understand about like the foster care system? I'm not sure yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially in Costa Rica, it's a very new concept. Um, you don't find many foster families here. It's mostly they have orphanages. And so um, when you like, even when we took even up to the um, to the public health center the first time, they were like, what are you adopting him? And we're like, no, we're his foster family. And they're like, oh, um, well, then, you know, his parents and we're like, well, no, we don't know his parents. And they were really confused at first. Um, so then we explained the situation. And so it's it's been kind of cool in one way because we're able to tell people about it and, and kind of explain why being a foster family has advantages that are different from an orphanage because they can make that personal connection, like Sean said, and, and, they, um, and they also learn, you know, how to live in a family versus living in kind of like a group. Like when Ivanath came to us, he was with um, his family for like three months, but then the last, the six months before he came to us, he was in an orphanage. And so he had become really independent Mm -hmm. but not necessarily totally in a good way because some of the things where he he didn't know how to make connections so that's what he's been learning how to do 
yeah, very detached. And so, and, you know, like with psychology, you know, people need to be able to make connections with other people and not just be detached. So, um, so that's something that is really good about foster families. So for, so here, that's something that um, people have learned. And then another thing that's different, the, the process is a little different here than in the U.S. because in the U.S., if you're a foster family, if you want to, you can adopt that child later on, whereas here, the foster families are not the ones who adopt. Yeah. So like he is not a child that we, because we're fostering him, we don't have that opportunity. So that's also um, difficult in the aspect of um, that we know he'll most likely go somewhere else later on. I mean, there are there are situations where the children stay with the foster family longer, um, so it could be for a long term, but it's not guaranteed. And so we kind of have that in the back. We're helping prepare him for wherever he's going to be long term, whether to stay with us as a foster child or whether he gets adopted by someone later on. Or with some foster children, they get to go back with their their birth families if it's possible. And so, like, okay, even though this is a temporary thing and it can be difficult, it's worth it because it helps them to create those connections they need to make in order to live, um, you know, later on with their family. Um, so that's something like sometimes people are like, well, why would you do that? Why would you just have a child that is only going to be temporary? And so kind of thinking through and explaining that, even though it's difficult, it's, it's still worth it. Yeah, I'm sure it's very difficult getting attached to like a baby like that and then knowing that they're not going to be with you permanently. I know like Heather, she did something similar like that right now. She Did you hear about that? I don't know if you heard about that, but she's... I've seen pictures and I was yeah. like, oh, so <laughs> yeah, she's fostering a baby because, um, yeah, yeah. So I think that's really cool, but they're very attached to the baby and I'm not sure what their future plans are if they plan on adopting it, but I can definitely see the attachment in them. So I understand where you guys are coming from. Um, my next question for you guys is how do you balance planning for the future whilst also being present for all of your own kids as well as the baby you're fostering? Because I know you guys have five kids already, <laughs> which is a lot. <laughs> The good news, the good thing for you do have oh. experience, you know, with uh, having kids and different stages, older kids and trying to balance even time. Uh, so, but having said that, you know, um, having a, a, a mother suddenly introduced when our, our youngest is now 10 years old, so uh, was, was definitely a challenge. Mm -hmm. Kind of get back into that, but I think that you know, what we've done is definitely done our best, invest time, continue to invest time in our own kids as well as the baby, and to, to balance the two and to make sure that about it as well. We explain to our, our kids, uh, they're only they're in the house now with us, right? You know. Are not are in the U.S. and they're, they're college. So, so we explained that our time is going to be limited. And that would be true if we would have our own baby, right? It's three to six months. But yeah. we have to 
we're all going to have to make So I think it's really good that we all sort of talked about it and had that expectation. But yeah, and even they yeah, were because yeah, they were part of the process. Like we didn't. Um, like at first, everyone was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And then when one of our kids realized that the whatever child we did foster care um, the organization that we're working that we're going through. Um, they recommend the child be at least two years younger than your youngest child. So we're like, okay, that means eight years or, or younger. And so one of our kids was like, oh, I don't know if I want someone that young. And so then we that we basically put a hold on it for a while because we we're like, well, we don't, you know, it, it has to be something that all five of us are in that we're all saying, yeah, this is something we're all willing to do. Help too because there are times when they have to um, help, you know, like. If both of us are in a meeting, they might be the ones that have to get so they can go to sleep or something. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, with time, I think it did help having five kids because it helped us to learn to balance things. I think also it's been a little bit easier with the pandemic. It sounds crazy, but it's because we're home more. Because before, Sean was traveling a lot, like probably one week a month, but he's not traveling at all. He's doing everything virtually. Oh, so, we're all, well, except last week when I went to the US. <laughs> we're, we're both home, you know, a lot. So, we can kind of balance and try to we have, um, meetings like Zoom calls. We try not to have them at the same time if, if we're not on the same call. Um, just so that one of us is available. If we need to that's, that's, that yeah, that's awesome. Um, kind of going along with that. I understand like time management is a big component of that. Like you said, did you have to like learn time management skills or have you always like been gifted with the ability to like juggle multiple things at once? Like, did that come naturally to you? I wouldn't say it came naturally, but again, I think because of the experience we've had, you know, yeah. I knew what to expect and though it's still a challenge, I mean, yeah, balancing everything is a challenge. But, yeah. <laughs> but we, it's not our first rodeo. Yeah, you know, you learn to set up. And honestly, I'm not getting uh, as much fun as I was before, but that's part of the investment. In, in, uh, and that was, we knew that going in. We knew that yeah. Going in. Yeah. Put some things on hold and maybe not have as much free time as we, we had before. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So, my next question for you guys is what has been the most challenging part of like fostering a baby? Is it, is that kind of like what we talked about earlier? Like the attachment and the knowing? I feel like, yeah, that's what I would think. I think that's it. And again, I think. We, we talk about it, we talk about, okay, someday that, you know, the baby's going to be gone. And we're gonna be, we try to prepare our hearts as much as possible. Uh, but he's so precious. But you still, you still fall in love with the little guy. Yeah. yeah. So that's definitely, definitely tough. Yeah. Um, how do you, like, kind of prepare yourself for that challenge? Like, knowing that you're going to face that, like, how do you prepare yourself now? Yeah, so... I mean, again, talking about it helps, trying to kind of keeping it, keeping it a safe place, so, and so 
that helps me to kind of take uh, advantage of the time that he's here to be kind of, you know, I'm getting tired and he's cranky or whatever just to be here forever it kind of gives me a little bit more patience to deal with yeah. prepare him for his forever family helps like mm -hmm. that wants to have him you know and is longing to have a child and we're helping him to be there for that family to make it a better transition for him definitely and so that helps him. I know there, there will be lots of tears, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that for me, that helps to think about, in the, to think of the future and like the vision of that. Like when we had a, one of the things for the organization that we're working with that they had like training. Um, normally it's in person, but it's the pandemic. And we even um, had a young woman who was single, who was a single mom, who had been in the foster care program. And so she was like how it helped her to grow that the agency was working with her as well. And she got the foster family was like a temporary, safe, secure home for her child during that time. And so, yeah, and how she had grown as a person and as a mom, and was taking steps to to better her life and better her situation and the situation for her, for her child. Um, it's just time and time. And it, like, when I think about that, um, it helps me to think, you know, even though it's it's not a permanent situation, um, that it's helping both this child and their future family. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I have one more question. Yeah. Oh, no, I have two more. Okay. So do you have any like healthy habits that like help you recover from like a long day's work? Because I'm sure you guys experience a lot of stress, just like with work and like the kids and lots of volunteer work. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things. One um, that, that I do that helps me relax is I spend some time just meditating. God's word that really helps me to kind of want to become calm and also just maybe recuperate, recover a little bit. Just having that, that bit of quiet time. Yeah, for me, some of that as well, like spending time just honestly listening to God and. <laughs> Me in Costa Rica, we have a ton of fruit trees around our house and a lot of birds. And so for me, sometimes when I'm like 
feeling frazzled. I'm like, okay, I need to go outside and sit in a hammock. We have two hammocks. And then Nally actually gave me one of the, like, the hammocks you can string up between trees anywhere. So we have two hammocks, like, hanging from the, like, carport area. So I'll go sit in one of those or take the other hammock. If I need to be further away from the house, I'll take the other hammock and go further away in the yard and just, like, relax and just listen to the birds and just kind of be outside alone, like, having some time alone just to hear from God or just to relax and just kind of be quiet a little uh, Yeah, that sounds super relaxing. I would love to do that. <laughs> I have to come visit you guys. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And we also have two dogs. I don't know if you can hear one. She's like one. She's very restless because after we finish talking, we usually take the dogs on a walk at night and just usually it's the two of us and the two dogs. And it's not a long walk. It's just in our neighborhood. Um, so pretty short, but yeah. When we do that, like, it also kind of helps me decompress because we just talk about the girl and the kids don't usually want to come, so it's just us and yeah. Another yeah. <laughs> other thing that really helps is, you know, when taking a routine of exercise. Mm -hmm. You think this is true of life, but getting enough sleep you know, going to bed early kind of thing. Those things for me are critical because otherwise it can kind of become all consuming. It's just work plus taking care of the kids, plus the foster care. It's, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think I can definitely benefit from like the things that you guys said. So I'm going to try those. The hammock thing sounds nice. I know at Virginia Tech, a lot of people go in the drill fields and like put their hammocks out on the trees and it's, <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> and one, one other thing that, I, that I've started doing recently, actually because I, for a class I'm taking, um, it was one of the assignments, but I'm like, man, I really like this, so I might keep doing it. Um, but I'm supposed to do like journal for three months. Mm -hmm. And that's been really cool too, because I used to in the past occasionally, but not on a regular basis. So now it's like pretty much every night before I go to bed, I just write. And sometimes I only write like one or two sentences. I'm like, I'm tired tonight. This is all I'm writing. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious. How do you like keep that as a habit? Because I've tried to like journal in the past and I do it for like two weeks straight. And then I just, I'll like, oh, I'll miss a day. And then I miss another day. And then I just, two years later, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, diary. It's been two years. Well, to be honest, because right now it's because I have because I'm supposed to for a class. <laughs> oh, do you think you'll continue after? Yeah, I think I might because we, we're supposed to do it for three months. And I've read before, like, to build a habit, you have to do it for, like, 30 days. Mm. And then that can create a habit. So if you, like, commit to, okay, I'm going to do this for, like, a month straight, then you will, like, be in the habit of doing that. So whether it's, like, you want to exercise every day or journal or whatever it is, if you do it, like, I think, isn't that what? Yeah, that's what like they've said. They've said it's like 30 days. So if you do something for that long, then you kind of get in that habit and then you just kind of, it's easier to keep doing it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, so my last question for you guys are like, what are some resources that you would recommend to someone who is thinking about fostering a baby? I don't know if you guys have like inspired anyone to like do that, but have you guys recommended anything to anyone? Um, I don't know that I've recommended anything, but 
Um, we did we did watch a movie that I thought <coughs> that I thought was helpful, and uh, it's it was called Removed. Uh, it's a short. I think it's actually it's a short. Yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe only fifteen minutes or something. You can look minutes. it up on YouTube. Yeah, I'll look that up after this interview. Yeah, I thought it gave a realistic view of what foster care is because it's hard and you get kids who have experienced trauma. And mm. So, you know, it kind of took away a little bit of the idealizing and kind of romanticizing of what it's going to be like to have a, a foster care child and gave a little more reality for us and for our kids. So yeah. I think I would recommend that for a family that was considering it just so that they could be aware um, both of the good parts, but also the maybe the challenges. Yeah. There's a, they're like, at least, like we watched the first two parts because they're about the same girl. There's a third one, but I think it's about a different child. But we watched them with our kids, so we talked about And I was totally expecting them to be like, okay, we don't want to do this now, like after watching that, because there's some hard stuff in there. Yeah. But it was almost the opposite effect where they were like, yeah, we need to do this. We need to, like, we need to help kids who are in this type of situation, which is super cool. But, um, but I think it gave a very realistic view of, like, kind of what are you getting into? Because it's not all perfect. It's not all happy. I mean, for us, with, with the baby we have, he, we were honestly expecting it to be a lot harder. Mm -hmm. When we found out we were getting a baby, we were like, oh, a baby. We thought we were going to, we thought we were going to get an older kid. Are we gonna get through this? But um, but he's been really delightful. And there are some things like we mentioned about the food. Well, I don't know. I think we told your parents actually about that. Like with with him with food when he when he first came, he's a little better now, but he's still pretty demanding when it comes to mm -hmm. meal time. And when he starts to eat, he just wants you to feed him nonstop. <laughs> and it's and they've said with foster children that can food can be an issue because sometimes they haven't been provided for on a consistent basis mm -hmm. in their homes. And so they might hoard food or try to steal food or overeat because they don't know when they're going to get their next meal. Like, so there are things you can do to help them to feel like they're more in control and you can show them there's more food and everything. So like, I mean, that's just one example, but with, with, with this baby, um, with even that, that's been pretty much the only kind of big thing, um, but we were expecting that it could have been a lot harder. Um, but a friend of mine, so I have several friends in the U.S. who do foster care too. And so one of my friends, when I mentioned that we were considering it, um, they recently, like in the past maybe five years, started doing foster care too. So she had recommended several books. So I ordered one on Amazon, um, and it was it's called Securely Attached. And I can send you a link for this. Securely attached, how understanding childhood trauma will mm -hmm. transform your parenting, a handbook for adoptive and foster parents. And um, hold on a minute. Hey, guys, we're doing an hey interview guys, that's doing... being recorded. Okay. Um, sorry. Because <laughs> you're being loud. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, but the book, it, so we, we also had a training through the organization that we're working with. Um, and so what's in the book, a lot of that's also 
within the training, but it basically kind of talks about trauma and gives you some tools of how to handle it. And, and really that sometimes it's just plain hard. Yeah. Um, so I think kind of helping you to helping us to prepare for how to respond and really looking at um, like kind of behind the actions. So like, instead of just going, Oh, this child misbehaved they're just a bad kid or whatever to go, wait a minute, why did they misbehave? What caught, what provoked this, what provoked this action, you know, and, and, and kind of being a learner of the child. Yeah. What's going on and what's underlying because there's some things sometimes that can be underneath the surface. Um, yeah. I'm curious when you say like, um, you're reading a book that's about like the attachment styles or whatever. I recently started a book that's kind of about the same thing. Are you kind of referring to like the detached, um, the detached or like securely detached and like that kind of thing? So basically so that they can make attachments because a lot of times kids that are come through the foster care system, they kind of have become detached where they, where they don't emotionally and they don't, they don't know how to make attachments. For example, for example, a baby normally won't want to go to just anyone if they've made good attachments with their family. Then when it's when when they're when they go to like say say you go to a party and then everyone wants to hold the baby and they just like go to different people. Normally babies don't want to do that. They want to cling to their parents because yeah. they know they're attached to them. But if you have a baby that hasn't yeah, and they feel safe with their parents. But if you have a baby that hasn't made those attachments, then they're like, oh, yeah, I'll go to anyone and everyone, and it's fine. So it's actually good when they – it's actually a good sign when your baby, like, cries when you drop them off at the nursery at church or whatever because it means they're attached to you as a parent, yeah. um, to your family. So that's one of the things that, like um, – the, the, the book I was reading talks about that. Is that what you – let me look at the name of the one I'm reading right now is called let me just take one second to check um it's called the eight keys to building your best relationships and it's by Daniel Hughes and he kind of talks about the different like relationship styles and psychology but I think it's more like it's more focused on like adults and speaking about how your childhood impacted like adulthood and your relationships that you have now so it's not it's not the same as like with children I feel like but it's kind of similar like the style I really, think that that's, I really think that those kids who who are detached who don't emotionally bond that that sets them up and that causes problems later for, mm -hmm. you know yeah close to someone and feeling safe with someone and being right. vulnerable and even as adults taking risks yeah. in relationships and things and so yeah that's that's exactly it. It's, it's interesting you're reading that book because yeah, those are probably mm -hmm. some of you know for all of us maybe they, you know, we have some things that that you know true that we have to overcome. But especially for a child who has mm -hmm. good bonds, emotional bonds, and uh, when they're little, when they're young, it, it's really difficult when they get older. Yeah, like in the book, it kind of talks about how like in your childhood, if your parents like don't talk about emotions and stuff, then when you get older and you get into a relationship with someone who wants to talk about emotions, you're kind of like, ooh, get away from me. But like, so like, I thought that was very interesting because I've witnessed like some of the things that the book talks about and how like 
your childhood kind of impacts like your attachment styles now because it doesn't really go away it goes into adulthood so I just thought that was interesting yeah that's very true but I'll definitely look into the book that you're talking about it sounds like very useful to like learn about so I'll look into it I can send you a link to it yeah sure sure all right so that was all of my questions for this interview. Thank you so much for helping me out. I really loved hearing your guys' story and more information about how like you guys have impacted your community by fostering a baby. So thank you for helping me out. Is there anything else you guys want to add? Yeah. It's a pleasure. No. Thanks for inviting us to be a part of it. Yeah. All right. Would you say? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Next interview, we should do in person in Costa Rica. Oh, that would be fun <laughs> in the hammocks. <laughs> All right, let me. How do I end this? Oh.